Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 92. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like the soothing presence of Ben Kingsley, James Gandolfini's cute little button nose, and Baby Yoda's pop cultural dominance. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers, your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observation. Feeling frisky today. I just shared a cucumber with my dogs. I know it sounds weird, but there's nothing more satisfying. Like I cut it up into chips because mentally to me, when you have like circular kind of things, it's like a chip potato chip to me, even though it's like, it's like nature's potato chip, basically. And I'll eat like, I'll kind of like moon crest eat most of it and then I'll snap the two pieces and then I'll sit on my little countertop and throw the two little pieces of cucumber to my two hundred pound Newfoundlands, Teddy and Bear. And they love it for some reason. I don't know. I didn't think dogs liked cucumbers. They're pretty, you know, veggie like. I don't think dogs are very veggie heavy, but me being a vegan for a few years, I think it rubbed off on them and they just dig it. I need to post it online because it's so soothing to watch them kind of like I like move my hands I'm like one two three and their heads are nodding like one two three we can get it and then they never get it they just open their mouths and flail but it's just it's satisfying to watch it's like those candle making videos or like cutting sand sculptures on instagram i mean i'm telling you it's very satisfying i'll post a when I, whenever i put a get a like a website like a maxvolume.com or like a facebook site i'll post it or i'll just post it on my facebook but uh in other news facetime with my family today and it's weird i realized before the pandemic, I hated being on the phone, hated being on FaceTime. Now I'm a pro. Like I figured out when you talk on the phone, let's say you're with your girlfriend, you're with a friend from, you know, you don't see very much, you clean the house or cook while having long chats. And it just makes me feel like a phone ninja, like I've mastered it. Like I, I rock when I'm on the phone because the key is to fade in and out of conversation. Like don't force conversation or topics. Just try to exist on the phone with someone. It's like, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction when she's like, that's real intimacy when you can just shut the fuck up and enjoy someone's company. That's what you need on the phone, but with less heroin, less dancing, because I hate dancing, and less John Travolta. Or maybe more John Travolta. I could use some more John Travolta. Anyways, I mean, phone stuff now is fun. So that's 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 a cool pandemic little check mark of positivity right there. Also, I got my leaves bagged and my gutters cleaned yesterday. Uh, I paid one of my friends to do it. Thanks, Mike. And because, you know, I'm not very outdoorsy and whatnot, I could get a splinter and then I wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably go to the hospital. <laughs> but I because uh, he did it, I feel just emotionally lighter. And also, I mean, I, it'd be pretty embarrassing to go to the hospital for a splinter. It's like I have a boo boo. <laughs> uh, I've done that before. So a little embarrassing. That's a story for another time. But clean house, clean mind. That's how I feel. And Every day is just a new challenge when it comes to cleaning, because like I said, I have these 200 pound monster dogs that just chew on each other and slobber over everything, but I love it. So it's just, I don't know, it's something to do every day. You wake up, you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, clean the house, listen to some podcasts, think about a podcast topic. And today's podcast, today's podcast topic is one of my favorite shows of all time. Definitely top 10. It's in the same, like, it's like seven or eight with justified. I can't decide which one I like more, but I kind of forgot to do it because the ending stunk. They really didn't nail the ending. But for four seasons, this was a program I worshipped. I was a disciple of this director. 
all the actors involved. The plot was just incredible. I mean, just it was one of the most bizarre shows. I couldn't believe this is on uh, network TV. And I have to thank my two friends. I call them the pants twins because they used to come to my bar and they would just wear brightly colored pants and they're twins. So obviously pants twins. So they reminded me like two months ago to do this. So Jared and Ethan, thank you very much. I just want to say to you both, hello friends, because we were doing Mr. Robot and hello friend is his big, his line at the beginning. Cause he's, he's, I mean, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'm just, I'm too excited. Sorry. I just want to say it again. Hello friend. So USA show 2015 to 2019 Directed by Sam Ishmael, Eshmael, call me Eshmael. I don't, I can't pronounce his name right. It's E-S, E-S male. So S male. And he like really directed it too. This is not like a point and shoot, you know, someone, some Joe Schmo did it. Like this is a guy who's like a Scorsese, a Spielberg, a Kubrick, like every Spike Lee, Spike Lee, like every shot matters. Steven Soderbergh. This is a uh, David Fincher. This is a guy who's like, yeah, I love directing and I'm going to direct the piss out of this. So small synopsis of the show. Elliot Alderson is a brilliant but highly unstable young cybersecurity engineer and vigilante hacker. You know, double live kind of vibes. He becomes a key figure in a complex game of global dominance when he and his shadowy allies try to take down the corrupt corporation he works for. Doom, doom, doom. It's, I mean, it's very, I mean, it sounds complicated as a plot. It's infinitely more complicated when you get into it. It could have been like an excellent procedural show because like coder by day, hacker by night, taking down criminals, you know, one at a time. Maybe there's a big bad at the end of every season. And the first episode kind of lends itself to that. Like in the first, very first scene, he goes to a coffee shop and kind of outs a online photo pedophile guy who's running a coffee shop. And it seemed like he was going to be a superhero. You know, he was going to basically be the best version of CSI, you know, or like, uh, or Bones or something like that. But the show, I mean, and I was for it. I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, like kind of a little bit dark, hackier, criminal intent, law and order kind of thing. But the show was way, way, way more complex. And I guess originally Esmail had this as a movie concept and it was too big and just kind of just had too many concepts and too many, you know, plot i mean it was just too long for a movie and it be, so he turned it into a usa show and i guess that's kind of the same thing aaron sorkin when he wrote the american president normally scripts like 150 200 pages his was like 380 400 so they converted it eventually to the and they slimmed it down and then used a lot of it for the west wing i think that's similar to what happened here and also the fact that this is on usa really kind of strange because usa normally isn't that dark or weird or violent i was shook when i first saw it because i mean I think USA, I think Burn Notice, I think, uh, what's that show where the guy's like a house call doctor in, oh God, in like Newport Beach or something like that. I don't know. Just it's corny shows. It's feel good shows. It's nothing that kind of monumental or important. It's not HBO shows don't show up on USA, but in this case it did because God, I mean, the show had so many avenues you can discuss. Like, so Elliot joins this group called F Society, short for fuck society and he basically wants to collapse the large corporate entities that uh secretly run the world so and it's from his perspective and he's doing the voiceover so it's called e-corp is the company but because he hates them so much and it's his perspective every time anyone says e-corp it says evil corp it's just like little flourishes like that just what make the show really unique so he gets help from the f society leader mr robot who we find out eventually spoiler alert i mean if you're listening to this and you haven't watched mr robot it's it's all spoilers so i can't 
I can't get around it. It's impossible. There's a, like a giant spoiler in season one, season two, season three. Even the end of the show is a giant like reveal. So it's like, if you haven't watched Mr. Robot at all, I shut this off right now and watch, listen to this afterwards because I couldn't recommend a, recommend a show more. You'll rip through it in probably two, three weeks, four seasons, pretty quick. But uh, okay, so I'm gonna give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers. So Mr. Robot, who is the leader of Fuck Society, we find out is a split personality of Elliot. And he's got kind of a shattered, brilliant mind. And Mr. Robot's played by Christian freaking Slater, which is the coolest thing ever. He's kind of this Tyler Durton, chaos agent, cult leader. Uh, And I have no idea why Christian Slater wasn't bigger in general. Why he's not an A-list celebrity. Like 80s, true romance, pump up the volume, Heathers. Uh, Even Broken Arrow was like, he was a legit action star, I felt like. And then in like the mid 90s, he fell off. And I haven't seen him since really, except in a really weird infomercial on The Office when they got bought out by that Korean printer company and he's just in an infomercial for some reason. But like, Christian Slater is great. And it's and this is his like star performance. This is his Tarantino revival. This is his, you know, I'm back baby kind of thing. And I, I mean, it's so he's just a, he's a larger than life. You know, you can tell why he's a cult leader. He's just like charismatic and you want to follow him. And he's kind of telling you the dregs of society and how, how culture has failed us. And you're like, yeah, let's burn it all down. Cause I love, I love the tortured genius anti-hero. And this is all of that. This is the same thing as the wire, uh, breaking bad, mad men, uh, game of Thrones, you know, people you shouldn't be rooting for, but yet you are. And plus like, I love a good fight club, unreliable narrator. Like what is real? What's hallucinations? Who is a figment of Elliot's imagination? Who's not like, he doesn't even know who his sister is. His sister, Darlene, who's also part of F society, like halfway through season one, he tries to kiss her because she's a good looking girl. And like, they have some chemistry together and she cringes back and she's like, oh no, have you forgot again? And it's like, oh no, it's a sister. And he doesn't even know it. Is that possible? Do people really block out stuff or have amnesia like that? Like I've seen it so many times on TV and movies. Like, do people actually, you know, don't remember stuff like that? Because I remember, I don't think I've ever forgotten a face or, I mean, it's a great TV device, you know, soap opera, daytime TV stuff. But I want to know. Is it real? I'll probably have my girlfriend because she's she's in the medical field and she knows stuff about her brain. So I'll ask you, Selena. I'll come. I'll I'll call you right after this. But uh, so show's really weird, very detailed Easter egg kind of show. Like for example, Elliot in season two is writing in a journal, and you know you see like maybe one page of it, and like they kind of voice over a little bit. They actually created the whole two hundred page journal and they sold it online for like twenty bucks. Or there's this red red wheelbarrow barbecue place. I guess it's uh, it's hinting at a Robert Frost poem and like two roads and like the split of his mind and stuff like that. Like little things like that, that you're like, you would never look for. And you're like, oh my God, that's incredible. And I can't imagine the amount of time and detail that they put in the show. It's crazy. And I mean, like people loved it, but I don't think this was worth, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't like the smash smash hit that I don't think it was worth doing all those things for, but I love it. So thank you guys. And like there's after shows there was like podcasts i'd listen to where they spent like two hours dissecting hints and clues about what was really going on reddit was just a fire with you know all these kind of uh oh look at this look at his room what does this mean you know oh there's a teddy bear here that relates to theodore roosevelt let's talk about that i mean even elliot's last name alderson is a code is coding slang for an infinite loop like just like little things like that that are just so cool I mean, I could probably spend the next week just going online and looking at new pieces of information about Mr. Robot and probably do an entire new podcast just from the small details that I didn't know. 
And I love, so Aaron Sorkin said when writing a script, I took his master class, no big deal, <laughs> uh, that intent and obstacle are the biggest things that you can write into your script and are most important. And so you gotta have stakes and the stakes of the show are the highest of high. Basically it's like the soul of humanity is being fought for. It's like, can we fight the 1% of the 1% that secretly runs the world, Evil Corp and everyone around them? And the characters are so eclectic and well-formed and contrasting. It's just, I mean, I don't think I've seen a collection of characters where I loved everyone and everyone just had this unique vibe to them. Like Darlene, she's wearing these heart-shaped hipster glasses. She's low level, kind of overhead hacker. A lot of F-bombs, a lot of swearing, a lot of furry coats that seem like, you know, she was like a hooker in the 1970s in the middle of Times Square kind of vibe, but brilliant, but like overhead panicked and kind of a scared little girl when it came down to it. Or Elliot's best friend crushed Angela Moss, losing her mind as she climbs the corporate ladder. That was fucking amazing. I mean, it's, she's played by Portia Doubleday who has those big kind of glossed over doe eyes. And it's like, she just looks lost and intimidated the whole time and you just want to give her a hug or Tyrell uh, who's basically like an American psycho executive at E-Corp who wants to play uh, like a hacking god by joining with Elliot but he's got some weird sexual hang-ups too and like he's got a really creepy wife who's kind of like with him with all the espionage stuff and just really I mean like he beats up homeless people for fun when he has like a rough day he puts on like little plastic blue gloves so he doesn't hurt himself but he's a homeless guy and just beats the shit out of him it's like that's the kind of guy he is and, or like he spends an entire season faking being dead after blowing up 72 data centers nationwide. It's that kind of show. There's like a million, I could go down a million rabbit holes with the show. It's like 97 shows in one. Or there's Michael Christopher, the actor. He's playing Masterfer. He's playing the master of the universe CEO of Evil Corp. And I just, I mean, it's just perfection. He's just like that arrogant kind of like, hmm, yes, I'm Philip Price. That's his name, Philip Price. And he's like, here's a here's a map of the Civil War and how they won that. And this is an original, you know, just that kind of overly arrogant guy you love to hate. And there's henchman galore from Joey Badass who like loves Seinfeld for some reason. He's just this ghetto dude, but he loves Seinfeld and talks philosophy. Or Bobby Cannavale is a pulp novelist, hitman who moonlights as a used car salesman. Like, where do you come up with this stuff? And he's like, in between writing his book, he's hacking a FBI agent to pieces with us with a uh, with an axe. Like, it just it's such a contrasting weird show and you think for the first two seasons it's about a corporate takedown you know take down the structure basically what tyler Durden was trying to do in fight club you know take down the credit card uh debt records and everyone goes back to zero that kind of thing and season three you learn guess what that's not actually what the show is about it's a time travel show and you're like what the fuck like it's a time travel show and I didn't even see it for two seasons. Like, okay, all right. Like, I'm intrigued, but like, what were you smoking when you did this? I mean, the leader, I mean, the main bad guy of this whole show is White Rose, who's played by B.D. Wong. It's this cross-dressing, high-powered Chinese government official who also runs the Dark Army. What awesome name, by the way, which is like a hacker group in China. And he's trying to create a super collider to attempt to create a new dimension, like... I mean, and that doesn't get revealed for two seasons. Like two seasons in, you're like, okay, I'm actually watching a show about interdimensional travel and if this is possible and can we reverse the past and is it worth reversing the past or are, are we, is it determinism and are we all on train tracks going one way? I mean, it's so bizarre. B.D. Wong is like cold, calculated, always a cigarette in hand, beautiful dresses, good looking woman too, actually. If he wanted to be a woman, you know, he he pulled it off. And just, just this, I mean, I, 
I'm stuttering because it's so it's like set your skin on fire and it's so exciting that this uh that they buried this for two seasons and the only hints like it's not like you could pick up on it were like small hints of obsession with back to the future that Elliot had and so like the show like I said the show is a million shows in one like there's a heist there's many, multiple heist episodes that are fantastic that remind you of like Ocean's Eleven or I'm trying to think like Logan Lucky or even Heat but in kind of a hacker kind of way there's drug dealer chaos and other episodes where this guy Vera who's like a low-level drug dealer but he's kind of like the low-level kind of more physical brutal uh foil to Elliot and he's I mean just horrifying creepy will kill anyone with a smile has gold teeth is just sitting in his tidy whities waiting for Elliot you know just this weird like Elliot's girlfriend uh throughout the first season uh was one of his one of uh, Vera's dealers and in season one episode six Vera kills her and just puts her in the trunk of Elliot's car during a prison escape that Elliot has to mastermind to get Vera out of prison using coding. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, like even, I mean, the music too is just ridiculous. Like I don't know pro musical producers for the most part. I know Trent Reznor, I know Hans Zimmer, I know John Williams, but I also know Matt Coyle who is the head of music for Mr. Robot. It's just like, that inception noise kind of like vom, vom, like those kind of like techie kind of vibes. I mean, he just nails it. Like, I just love how he, he, they use noise as kind of a signifier of stress and tension. And also they do like acoustic versions of everybody wants to rule the world. Like everything. I mean, like the pop songs are just flames. I love everything. I mean, like there's so many weird like episodes that are just bottle episodes too. Like Vera has an episode with him, Elliot, and Elliot psychologist that works as a five act play in one location. And it seems like it's like on a Broadway stage. And it's just, I mean, it's utterly brilliant. It's like an extra 30 minutes longer than normal. Or there's one episode that's entirely silent. One episode is like a 90s sitcom with a laugh track and everything. Half a season uh, in season two is Elliot's in jail, but he mentally is projecting it as his home, neighbor home neighborhood. So we're left to decipher what's real and what's not. Like so there's an episode that's basically a riot filmed in real time with no time jumps or no cuts. You know, it's just kind of one long tracking shot, which is crazy. There's entire dreamscape episodes. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. You could just, you could teach a film class just by watching this. And I think that's what the movie nerd in me and the film nerd in me just kind of gets, this seems like one giant movie. You know what I mean? Like multiple movies that he just put into one. And Rami Malek as Elliot Alderson, just perfect. And just utterly perfect. I mean, that jawline, he's kind of frail. He's got this black hoodie that he almost wears like a superhero outfit with his little backpack. And he's just, he's socially inept. And he's just got like, you know, these really intense, you know, chiseled features. And he's just kind of looks, looks emaciated and thin and kind of run down by the world. And, he's, you know, he got drug issues, his loneliness. It just always kind of keeps you guessing like it's this Hitchcock level tension of what's real in Elliot's mind and what's not and also I mean like they'll, they'll do things like the title card Mr. Robot will just randomly come up like you never know when it's going to come up or to what music it's going to come up and it's this big red letter lettered retro Mr. Robot and every time you see it you're kind of you get goose pimples and you're like oh man show's starting this stuff is good like they definitely know how to get you and the show really commented on how society subdues us like how the masses are being led by the invisible hand of the ultra rich and powerful. And you're kind of like, yeah, fuck them, fuck society. And you know I mean? Like I want to rebel. I want to become an anarchist. So 
even when and, and like and it shows too the power of those structures like even when elliot or f society erase all the financial records to set everyone to zero like you think like okay that's going to be it there's going to be a whole new world you know what i mean like they changed the world no the rich and powerful just created an e-coin that they control but the show is very nihilistic makes you question the morality of humanity and there's rare victories few and far betweens very like sliver glimmers of hope there's mostly just death and chaos and destruction like so many people die on the show i think like 90 percent of the main characters are dead by the end of it and like the other ones are tortured and just you know mentally and physically tortured and just are not are not okay by the end of it so it's like it's like twin peaks kind of in that vein of strange strange tv that is hard to explain but it's slightly more comprehensible with kind of like a more coherent plot but unfortunately like i said the, the movie didn't i mean the show didn't stick the landing and I think that's why it still doesn't resonate or I don't have any conversations really about Mr. Robot. In the end, I guess Elliot's personality was another personality of his own. Like Mr. Robot was a split personality of him. Him, the entire time we saw him was a split personality that was like his superhero trying to save the world. And his real personality was being trapped inside himself. And at the end, the real Elliot, who we hadn't seen the entire time, came back to the surface and like got to exist. It's like, I don't know. I mean, that was just annoying. Also, I mean, so, I mean, it becomes clear season four that Elliot had to deal with child abuse and that Mr. Robot not only was his father uh, as a projection, but he was his protector because his actual father abused him. And it's like, that's hard to go back and rewatch when you realize that like, you know, his whole character arc is based on child abuse, just a little hard, but the show was glorious for a moment. <laughs> it really was like the hours of podcast I put into it. And to put in perspective, so there's only 400 to 500,000 viewers per episode, but Reddit had 380,000 active users on each week of Reddit, like ones that actually commented multiple times on things. So it was an obsession. People loved it. Like it was coders, hackers, everyone just enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I, I don't know that stuff, but I just, I, it was just a fun rhyme. And like the dialogue too, whoever wrote the dialogue, it's just nightmare poetry. Like I'll give you a little taste. Like I've never found it hard to hack most people. If you listen to them, watch them. Their vulnerabilities are like a neon sign screwed into their heads. Ugh. Or I've never wanted to be right about about my hacks, but people always find a way to disappoint. It's like, I guess so, man. You are just, you know, you are just a sad man and you're just, <laughs> you're just giving me the worst of humanity. I'll give you one last one. So it's like, annihilation is always the answer. We destroy parts of ourselves every day. We Photoshop our warts away. We edit parts of we hate about ourselves. Modify the parts we think we hate. We curate our identity, carve it, distill it. Annihilation is all we are. It's like, huh, soul shuddering. So the show was dark and important, and I loved it dearly. So that's all I wanted to say. So thank you, Mr. Robot. You are, you are a good friend. So I will say goodbye, friend.